This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Got a grab bag of stuff to get to this morning. Um, it's it was a fairly quiet night in uh, in sports. The NHL season started last night, so uh, obviously pretty excited about that. You know, one thing I forgot, and and I you know. The Bruins play tonight, and uh, I'm not going to be able to watch the game. I forgot that um, YouTube TV, which is my television provider, dropped Nesson. Their contract with Nesson expired. They haven't been able to come up with a uh, a new agreement, so they dropped them. And so now I'm left with no way to watch the Bruins. And as I said, no, you know, I, I talked about this earlier. I, I hadn't thought about it in terms of the Bruins, but I knew I couldn't watch the Red Sox. So if YouTube TV and Nesson don't get their act together, uh, I'm going to have to, I guess I'm going to have to get connected again. I cut the cord and it was great. Been streaming everything. And I, I've really enjoyed YouTube TV, but if I can't watch the Red Sox and I can't watch the Bruins, it's going to be a problem. So I might be heading back to direct TV uh, much as much as I don't want to. I may not have a choice. Uh, all right, uh, what are we going to start with this morning? Well, let's start with what everybody's talking about, and that is our illustrious president being impeached for the second time. I was thinking about this. Do you know, there is probably a part of Donald Trump, the narcissist that he is, that is actually glad he got impeached a second time because he can say, I'm the only president that's ever been impeached twice. <laughs> There's probably a piece of him that's that likes that. It's unbelievable. So, um, Dave, you know, I be well, before I get, I'll get back to that in a second. Um, uh, Dave Massey just checked in, you know, and the only other streaming service I know of, Dave, that has Nesson is Fubo TV. It's F U B O, I think it is. The problem with it is is finding a way to stream it on something other than your computer. Like, for instance, uh, I do my streaming through my PS4. Uh, some of it I do through my Fire Stick. The, you can't, they don't have apps for that, for Fubo on those, uh, on the Fire Stick and stuff. So there's no way for me to watch Fubo unless I want to uh, watch it on my computer. And I don't want to do that. I want to watch it on my big-ass television. That's what I want to watch it on. Uh, so as of right now, there, I don't believe there is another streaming app for Nesson that we can get on the television. If you find one, Dave, please let me know. Um, otherwise, I'm heading back to DirecTV, and you know, or, or my other option is Comcast, who I I absolutely detest. So it's probably DirecTV, especially considering you have to, you know, whatever you do, you're going to have to agree to a two, you know, two-year agreement and all this yada, yada, yada. 
you know, and since my wife and I are going to be moving to North Carolina next year, I know I can take direct TV with me. Um, so, um, if, if there's nothing else that can be found, that's probably where I'm going to go. But, uh, yeah, hopefully somebody will find something and let me know. Uh, anyway, to get back to, uh, the idiot in chief, uh, I, I really do think there's probably part of him that's excited about this. Uh, it's, it's just cause it's all about him. Um, 10 Republicans joined with the Democrats this time. Look, here's the deal. It's going to be the same as last time. He got impeached in the House. He's not going to get impeached in the Senate. Number one, they're not even going to start the trial until after he's out of office, probably. So it's not going to matter. All it's going, all that will happen is if, if the Senate does vote to impeach, it means he can never hold office again. But he's not ever going to hold office again anyway, because I think Mitch McConnell has made it very clear that he's done with Trump. He's tired of it and uh, they want him out of the Republican Party. So even if Donald Trump were to try to run again, he wouldn't have the Republican Party's backing. He'd have to run as an independent. Um, and, and Trump yesterday put out a, uh, a video saying, if you were a true supporter of mine, you wouldn't support violence and you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't do this. You know, that's like you know, closing the barn door after the horse got out. It was way too late for that. And it's also disingenuous. Um, but you know, it, and Joe Biden put out a thing and he says, you know, he hopes that the Senate leadership will quote, find a way to, uh, deal with their constitutional responsibilities, uh, while also working on the other urgent business of the nation. Here's the problem. And, and this has been a problem for the last couple of years. Nothing's gotten done in this country because we have spent all our time trying to impeach this president, starting with the Ukraine thing back at the end of 2019 and going into 2020. It's been either trying to impeach this idiot or for the last year, it's been the coronavirus. There hasn't been anything else done in this country on either the federal or the state level. That is all that we talk about. You turn on the news. It's either Trump or it's the, the pandemic. There's nothing else to talk about. There's nothing else going on. At least that's what would lead you to think. What's happened is, is that anything else that needs to get done in this country is, has been put on hold. And we got roads that are falling apart and, you know, it's been put on hold. You know, we got all kinds of infrastructure. We got all kinds of things that could be getting done. But all we can talk about is the divisiveness in this country or the pandemic. And it's going to continue right into, you know, uh, Joe Biden's presidency. And, you know, there have been people that have said, look, this impeachment is not a good idea because if Joe Biden's idea is to try to heal this country, dragging this impeachment of Donald Trump into the Joe Biden presidency is going to distract people. And it's going to stop us from healing. Um, you know, I, I get this. I get the idea. I'm not sure that's I, I agree simply because I don't think this, that healing this country is going to be a simple thing. Uh, and, and social media is to blame for that. Look, uh, there is a part of me that thinks that the world would be much better if there were no social media platforms like Facebook, like Twitter, etc. I think if, if we could shut them all down, and I know that's not ever going to happen, but if we could shut them all down, well, if we could shut them all down, we, you wouldn't be watching on Facebook Live watching the show right now. But if we could shut them all down and unplug no Twitter, no Facebook, no Instagram, no um, commenting on uh, news articles on the Internet. If the only way you could respond was to write a letter to the editor of the newspaper, which is the way it used to be, folks. 
you either wrote to your representative your, your congressman or you wrote to the newspaper and, and sent a letter to the editor if we could do that if, if we could limit it to that we could start to heal this country the problem is is that Every Tom, Dick, and Harry has an opportunity to spew their stuff, and they can spew it 24-7. Ask Donald Trump. That's, I mean, he's got to be losing his mind right now with no way to, to spread his, uh, his agenda. But if we could shut it all down for a year, maybe we'd have a chance. But, you know, the nut jobs and the haters and the people that the anarchists are going to continue because they have platforms to do that. And it's not just them. The, the, the people on the far left, you know, the, the, the people like Bernie Sanders and, and AOC and the socialist part of the, this country that want to turn this into a socialist state, they have their platform as well. You know, and so you got them on the far left, you got the idiots on the far right, and those of us left in the middle are left holding the bag, and we're screwed. But, boy, I wish we could shut it down for a year. We won't, but, boy, I wish we could. So anyway, uh, and, and as far as uh, it, it kind of along with that, Major League Baseball announced yesterday that they have suspended political donations, all political donations after the riots at the U.S. Capitol. Um, they are the first professional sports league to say that they are going to stop lobbying, at least for now. You know, here's the thing, and I didn't realize this, but and this this pisses me off even more. And you know, look, you know, everybody lobbies. I think lobbyists should be outlawed too. Everything should be outlawed. Just ask me. That's I'm in the mood I'm in this morning. But in the last year, or since the 2016 uh, election cycle, the office of the commissioner of Major League Baseball, their their political action committee, has donated like three quarters of a million dollars to Senate and House candidates. Over over fifty percent of that, by the way, has gone to Republican candidates, including, by the way, um, two senators and nine representatives who were among those that wanted to decertify the election of Joe Biden. So eleven people that wanted to say that the election was corrupt uh, were people that were supported by Major League Baseball. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? Including, by the way, Ted Cruz, Kevin McCarthy. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, Major League Baseball, with their pack, they were part of the, the, the Major League Baseball pack lobbied so that minor league baseball players were exempt from federal minimum wage laws so that they could, like, basically be slave laborers, which, you know, which pre preempted a lawsuit uh, from, from players that were, like, trying to stop you know, to, to so that the Major League Baseball minor league players could actually make some money. Now, MLB has kind of backtracked on that a little bit, and they've they've tried to uh, make things a little better, but guys in minor league baseball aren't making a living wage. Excuse me. And MLB has, you know, tried with their political action committee to continue that. So I'm glad to hear that that they're not going to make donations, but I'm also saddened to hear that, uh, you know, a lot of the people that they supported are people that were on the Trump side of the ledger. It's a little frightening. All right, uh, the big sports news of the day yesterday, of course, the trade in the NBA. James Harden leaving the Houston Rockets as part of a four-team deal, and he will wind up in Brooklyn with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. This is a... Uh, 
this is like a fantasy league kind of trade. I mean, you now have three immense scorers on that team. Now, according to reports, the Nets have had to give up, I think it was three first-round draft picks to make this happen. And Indiana and Cleveland were also involved, and some players are moving as well. But obviously the big thing is is now Harden joins those other two guys. Look, those are all guys that can pour in 40, 50 any night. They are also three of the biggest malcontents and divisive players in the NBA. Look, uh, Kyrie Irving's been, you know, routinely just disappears and does his own thing. And, you know, he's the guy that said, we don't need a coach, (laughs) you know, but he's been gone for the last four games for personal reasons. He's the guy that, you know, decided to sit out, you know, the end of last year because he just didn't feel like playing. He's a guy that, you know, left Boston and, you know, burned everything in his, in his, uh, in his wake when he left. Uh, Kevin Durant is a guy that wore out his welcome. James Harden is a guy that never saw a shot that he didn't like, and he is a guy that, you know, couldn't get along and they had to move on. Chris Paul had to leave. Uh, 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 Russell Westbrook had to leave because they couldn't, coexist with a guy like James Harden who insists on the fact that this team has to revolve around me. James Harden never has gotten to an NBA final. Why? Because James Harden is a problem on offense. Because James Harden will take 40 shots a night if he can, and he'll hit 10 of them. He takes a lot of bad shots. Yeah, he can score a lot of points. Yes, he's won the last three scoring titles. Well, Jesus, if you take 30 shots a night, you're going to pour in a lot of points. Take a look at his shooting percentage. It ain't very good. You know, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, they all want the basketball as well. There's They only play with one basketball in a game last time I checked. And you have a first-year coach trying to deal with these three guys. Best of luck to you. Um, and not only is he a first-year coach in Brooklyn, he is a first-year coach, period. This is a guy that's never had to deal with players like this on this level. Of course, Steve Nash has played with prima donnas in his life, you know, uh, when he was a, when he was a great player, but Steve Nash has never had to deal with it as the head coach and try to figure out a way to make this work. You know, Kevin Durant wanted wanted out of Oklahoma City and did everything he could to get a, to to make a trade to uh, to Golden State. You know, and then he gets there and and you know he gets hurt and. You know, Harden can't get along with Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook and John Wall. And so, you know, uh, and Kyrie Irving can't get along with anybody. There is no question that the Brooklyn Nets are now going to be a team that could put up 130 points every night. No question. Now, they won't play any defense because none of those guys are de- want to play defense. You know, but what? how long is it going to take before Kyrie Irving 
or Kevin Durant or James Harden starts griping about they're not getting the ball. They're not getting enough shots. And what does that mean for the other, you know, 12 guys on the roster? That means that these three guys are taking every shot in the game and everybody else, you, you better pass the ball or you're going to be out of here. Because these two guys, these these three guys together are all under contract through the 2022-23 season. And by the way, two of them, Durant and Harden, are making 40 million bucks a year. So they're going to get their way. And and if they decide, by the way, that Steve Nash is the problem, Steve Nash's coaching career in Brooklyn is going to be a very short one because your ownership has now made the commitment to bring in this guy. Look, Houston's off to a 3-6 and six start. James Harden looks way out of shape. He isn't scoring like he was before because he didn't want to be there, so he was pouting. And he's not ready to play. It was so bad, you know, he makes the comments about, well, whatever's, you know, the stuff that's wrong here can't be fixed. So you know what Houston did? They said, don't come to practice. We don't want you here. And then they traded him. You know, is that the kind of guy, if you're the Nets, you know, I mean, I know it's sexy. It's like, why? We're getting James Harden. Yeah, you're getting James Harden, but you're getting James Harden and all of James Harden's baggage and his, uh, his attitude. And you've already got it that with Kyrie Irving. Jesus, I mean, good luck. Good luck. Uh, other NBA news, uh, three more NBA games were called off yesterday, including the Celtics game against Orlando. Um, NBA announced yesterday that 16 more players have tested positive for the coronavirus. So the numbers continue to go up in terms of games that have been canceled. And... If you are the NBA, you have to be worried. If you're the NHL, you have to be worried. You look at this, and and there are so many players and so many games being canceled, you really have to be concerned. I'm not concerned about baseball, by the way, You know, if, you, if you're asking about that, simply because of the distance involved. You know, in, in basketball and hockey, these guys are sweating all over each other. They're breathing all over each other. I mean, it's just no way around it. You know, and, uh, I mean, Zion Williamson wasn't able to play um, in their game yesterday against the Clippers because of contact tracing. You know, this is just going to be a daily issue, which is why the NHL put in the taxi squad, which is why the NBA added a couple extra players uh, to a reserve squad so, you know, uh, so that there's guys available. But it's not. It's we're on a we're on a very very sharp razor's edge here, and this brings me to what is going on here in the state of Connecticut, where the CIAC, the governing body for high school athletics, Glenn Lungarini, their executive director, and the state athletic directors, seem hell bent on trying to get in a winter season, on trying to play a basketball and a hockey season here in the state of Connecticut. Plans are for practices to start next Wednesday. Games could start on February 1st. The season would last into mid-March. It'd be about a probably of a 12 to 13 game season. 
And if you are, and now this is all based on whatever the numbers are here in the state of Connecticut, the Department of Public Health is involved, and it could still get shut down very quickly if the numbers spike. And they did the other day, by the way, a couple of days ago, our numbers were up to almost 11% positivity rate. Then a day later, it drops down to six. I mean, it's such a moving target. I don't know how you can use that as any kind of a measuring stick. But if if you are the CIAC and you're looking at what's going on in the NBA right now, aren't you concerned? Doesn't that tell you that maybe we shouldn't play? Look, I love high school sports. I've broadcast high school sports for years I am I am all for these kids being able to play. But I really believe that it wouldn't be the end of the world if they don't. And if they do play, by the way, folks, and, and uh, BU has been one of the uh, college teams that has insisted that you play with masks, I think maybe if, if they want to play, make them wear a mask. You want to play high school basketball this year? You're wearing a mask, period. There will be no games without a mask. And if we have to call extra timeouts so you can change your mass, fine. But I believe that if we're going to do it, make them wear a mask. Especially considering you're going to be traveling from town to town to play these games. You know, and if, if this town's positivity rate is you know, 2%, but the, the team you're playing tonight, their positivity rate is 10%, you know, make them wear a mask. But if you are the Department of Public Health and you're the CIAC and you're an athletic director in this state, you have got to be concerned when you look at what's going on in the NBA because that's your marquee sport. And if the pros can't get it right with all the money that they have and they're still, you know, and, and again, it's what happens when you leave the court. It's not even these people that are getting it aren't even necessarily getting it during the games. They, they could be picking it up at home because there's so many other moving parts like and, and these kids that are playing high school basketball their parents all work and you know they're, they're going to school and you know we don't know what they do outside of the the the, uh, the game it's easier for a, uh, an NBA team like the Celtics to tell their guys hey stay home tell your family to stay home you know you, you can afford it stay home everybody stays home you can do that and they're still having games postponed so what's going to happen in high schools and if I'm, you know, I'm concerned about that. Now, having said that, if they play, I'm going to cover it. I'm going to hopefully be able to broadcast it. I mean, I'm all for that. But I'm also, at the same time, I'm also saying I'd be okay if they don't. You know, and all the all the health experts are telling us, look, by early summer, mid-summer, we're going to be in a much better place. You know, and I know that these kids that are seniors, I get it. You know, they want to play their senior year. I get it. You know, and they're worried about their ability to get a college scholarship. And one of the, some of the things that have been suggested is instead of having the games, why don't we just run college showcases? Why don't we have, you know, you know, a, a weekend uh, or a couple of weekends where we allow them to come in and we have college showcases and we play some games, some pickup games with kids from different schools and we – we run showcases might be less risky, you know, and at least that gives the kids an opportunity to put their skills on display one more time for college coaches from all levels around the country. It's worth thinking about, but I'm, I'm concerned when I see the NBA numbers, I'm concerned about high school sports here in the state of Connecticut. And so we'll see what they do. 
30 minutes past the hour, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we got some uh, UConn news, and it ain't good. Back in a minute, you're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. Uh, so news out of the University of Connecticut. Um, James Booknight, the best player for the UConn men's basketball team, is out indefinitely uh, after he had surgery on his left elbow yesterday. Uh, he got hurt in a game against Marquette on January 5th. He's diving for a ball on the floor. Uh, a, a Marquette player dove after the ball as well, fell on Booknight's left arm, and hyperextended the elbow. So the thought was he'd miss a couple of games, he'd be okay. It, the, and if you saw the replay, it was one of those where you go, oh. You know how you sometimes you see an injury and you, and you just cringe? Well, this was one of those. And, you know, frankly, I guess – um, you know, you're thinking he's lucky he didn't break the damn thing the way the kid landed on it. Uh, but it was obviously bad enough where he had to have uh, surgery. Now, I mean, this kid's an NBA prospect. This kid's got, you know, he is, he was averaging over 20 points a game. Uh, he had 40 against Creighton um, in a game that they lost in overtime. And, uh, you know, it, it hurt. But they've won without him. You know, which is great. You know, I mean, and they've had guys like Tyler Polly have stepped up, um, and they have continued to be able to win without him. But they've got uh, uh, they've got to play St. John's on Monday, Xavier on Wednesday. Now, those are two schools that UConn should be able to beat without him. Um, they've got DePaul coming up on Monday, a team that, or the following Monday, a team that they have already beaten. You know, so they've got some games in there that they can probably find a way to sneak out without him. But look, this kid is a special player. And, you know, there's no question that it's going to hurt. Uh, they say indefinitely uh, medical people will tell you that it's two to four weeks. If it's two weeks, he'll miss four more games. If it's four weeks... He's coming back just before uh, conference tournament time. So, you know, which, you know, will be great. But, of course, you then question, you know, after having been off for the better part of, you know, five or six weeks, you know, what kind of shape is he going to be in and, and how much rust is going to be on there. But that is a big loss uh, for the UConn men. So we're going to find out. You know, whether, you know, Tyrese Martin and R.J. Cole and Tyler Polly can continue to play the, the way that they have played. Uh, but uh, Book Knight is, uh, look, he's this kid, is he's going to be a first-round draft pick, I think, when it's finally time to go uh, to the NBA. And there were a lot of people that thought that uh, this year might be his last year. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Um, I would, Tom Gentile just checked in from down in Florida. It said that, uh, high school basketball teams have played 13 games, uh, in his County in Florida so far. He lives in the Tampa area. Um, you know, and that's great. I mean, you know, uh, but you know, let's look at, you know, look at up here, look at, uh, look at what's happened in college here. The UConn women have only played seven games, seven, right? We're January 14th. They've managed to play seven games because they've had a half a dozen canceled. I mean, they they were supposed to play yesterday. They were supposed to play again on Saturday. Those games have all been canceled. You know, they, they had games against Louisville canceled, Mississippi canceled, 
uh, Baylor canceled. I mean, it's just one after another after another, and there's no reason to think that that's not going to happen here. You know, I, I, and, you know, now I don't know, you know, down in, in Florida, you know, and whether they are, you know, I, I got to imagine that there are probably kids that, I don't know how much testing they're doing, I guess was my question. You know, maybe they're not even bothered. Maybe they're just playing. If the kids are asymptomatic, then they just play and we don't worry about it. I don't know. But I know that up here, you know, where we are testing on a regular basis, I'm concerned that, you know, one one positive test on a team is going to shut it down. We've seen that here in college basketball. If you get one positive test, they're canceling games across the country. So I don't know how they've played 13 in Florida, but, you know, I, I, I could see them starting the season up here and having it not last very long, you know. And, again, I'm not I'm – not, you know, advocating that they cancel the season, that they say we're not going to play. I'm just saying that, you know, if you look at what's going on in the NBA where they're testing like mad and they can afford to take all the precautions in the world, you know, uh, when you go, you know, to a little podunk town here in Connecticut, you know, like up in Killingly or something like that, and, you know, we're a town that doesn't have a lot of money, what are they going to be doing and how are they going to be able to handle this? I worry about that, you know, and – uh, when it comes to the UConn women, UConn women are actually concerned right now that they may not be able to play enough games to actually qualify for the NCAA tournament. Think about that for a minute. The NCAA has said that teams have to play a minimum of 13 games to get in the tournament. Now, we still have, you know, the better part of, you know, five or six weeks for UConn to play six more games, you know, uh, I I would think that they'll be able to do that, but who knows, you know, and if they don't, you know, look, they're seven and oh, and they're one of the best teams in the country. It's going to be like Ohio state in, uh, in basketball. I mean, in football where they didn't play enough games to get into their conference tournament. And all of a sudden they made an exception. Well, that would happen with UConn, but it's going to be hard for the NCAA tournament this year because so many games are being canceled. UConn hasn't been able to play ranked teams because all the games against ranked opponents have been canceled. So it's going to be a lot harder to figure out who the 64 best teams are this year. It's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge. Tom just said, he said, uh, he's going to let me know more about what's going on in Florida. He said, but it's just different here, you know, (laughs) and he's right. And, and, and I'm not in Florida, but my, I have a stepson in Florida. I have another stepson that is in North Carolina. And it has been interesting. Uh, when Joe was up here, uh, my stepson that lives in North Carolina was up here you know, a few weeks ago. And he was telling me about how in North Carolina, uh, you know, you go to a grocery store, half the people aren't wearing masks. And, and and a lot of times if you are wearing one, people look at you like there's something wrong with you. Like, you know, what, what do you got? No, what do you got? No guts? What are you caving to the uh, you know to the liberal left because you're wearing a mask? That happens down there. Dan Zampano, our our NFL correspondent, was telling me he's in Florida. I mean, in uh, Virginia, going to college, and he said the same thing down there. He said people just don't bother. They're not wearing masks and they don't care. So, <laughs> you know, so maybe you know, so maybe in some of these states where they're playing basketball, they just they just. Doing their own thing. Whatever happens, happens. If a kid gets sick, okay, he doesn't play, but everybody else is still up. You know, they could all be they could all be uh, positive for the coronavirus, and we'll never know because they're not testing. I don't know. I don't know. But it is different in the South, no question. Down in Trump land, things are different. 
There's no question about that. So uh, news came out uh, in the AP last night. Uh, now they don't, they haven't named who said this, but according to sources, the uh, NFL um, is looking into or looked into what uh, went down with the Philadelphia Eagles and their final game and Doug Peterson taking out their quarterback. And the NFL has decided that they are not going to penalize the Philadelphia Eagles for what went on in that game. Now, the story says uh, uh, two people told them this, and they both spoke on condition of anonymity because they weren't authorized to reveal the conversations. We hear that all the time. But there's no reason. I mean, look, if that's the case, if that is really true, don't ever talk to me about the integrity of the NFL again ever. I don't want to hear it because if there, there has, in my mind, I have never seen a more clear example of tanking than what the Philadelphia Eagles did. You know, and the New York Giants are up in arms, and I'm no lover of the New York Giants, but the New York Giants have a right to be angry about what happened in that game. And after what happened with the New England Patriots in Deflategate when they absolutely beat the Colts eight ways from Sunday, and whether there was a pound short or two short of air in a football wasn't going to make a damn bit of difference, yet you would have thought that the, uh, the Patriots had committed a federal offense the way the NFL handled that. Don't ever talk to me about that again because this was tanking. This was a clear case of someone's playoff future being decided because a team wanted to move up three spots in the draft. I mean, so if that really is the case, and it appears that it is, that's absolutely insane. And it undermines any argument the NFL ever has again for the integrity of their product, period. You know, this is the same league that now is in bed with, uh, you know, gambling, you know, with DraftKings and, you know, all these all these major league organizations now all of a sudden, you know, getting in bed with uh, with gambling. It immediately calls into question integrity. And this, you know, how can you not punish the Eagles? It cost Doug Peterson his job because he was the good soldier and probably did what the GM told him to do. And then he had to take one for the team because he lost the locker room. Well, the Eagles should have been punished, and the fact that they're not is a joke. Absolute joke. Playoffs coming up this weekend, so we go from the bad stuff to the good stuff. I can't wait for this weekend. Uh, some going to be some fun games this weekend. I am The game I am most looking for, there's two games that I am most looking forward to. The Buffalo-Baltimore game is very compelling to me. Um, just because of the way Lamar Jackson has been playing lately, I think Baltimore has a chance to win this game. I mean, look, Josh Allen's been otherworldly. But I give Baltimore a decent chance to win that game this weekend. And I can't wait for the Saints and the Bucks. I can't wait. Two, uh, you know, two old quarterbacks <laughs> that are both still playing very well. Did you see the graphic that they had uh, somebody put up uh, that, that the game was going to be on the History Channel and they had the uh, pictures of the old Brady and the old Breeze? Oh, my God, it was hysterical. 
But it is going to, I mean, look, 40, 85 years of quarterback. You know, Drew Brees is going to be 42 on Friday. Tom Brady is 43. Uh, it's the two guys with the most passing yards in the history of the NFL, the two guys with the most touchdown passes in the history of the NFL. I mean, it's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Um, and what's m- even more compelling about this is can Tampa turn around the fact that they got beat by the Saints twice this year? It is the 23rd time in the Super Bowl era that teams have met in the postseason after one team swept the season series. In those matchups, the team that won the regular season series has won 14 of the 22, so 14 and 8. So you would say that history is on the side of the New Orleans Saints. Um, matter of fact, the last time, uh, that the saints were in this situation, it happened in, uh, Carolina when they beat Carolina in the wild card round after they swept them in the 2017 regular season. The last time, by the way, that a team reversed a regular season sweep in the playoffs. It's been a while. 2007 was the last time a team that got swept in the regular season came back to reverse the outcome in the postseason. The Giants did it against Dallas. That's when uh, uh, the Giants and uh, Eli Manning went on to win the NFC title game in Green Bay and beat Tom Brady and the Patriots in the Super Bowl. That was the year the Patriots uh, were looking for a perfect 19-0 season. So that was the last time that a team has turned around a season sweep. So uh, I guess if you're a betting man, your money's on the Saints. Um, and and it's, it's hard for me because I, I love Tom Brady, but I also love Drew Brees. Uh, I was a Charger fan when Drew Brees was the quarterback there, and you know I followed him to New Orleans, and I've always kind of been a New Orleans Saints fan because I, I attended Saints games when I lived in Alabama. Um and was on the sideline a few times back. That was a long time ago, back when Kenny Stabler was playing quarterback for the Saints, and Earl Campbell was on the Saints. It was a long time ago. But I've always kind of been a fan of the Saints, and I love the city of New Orleans. So it's a tough one for me. You put a gun to my head, I think I'd probably rather Tom Brady win the game. But uh, that's going to be a – I can't wait for that game. It's going to be fun. Uh, i got to take a quick break. Uh, one other quick NFL note, and it's not really an NFL note. It's kind of a, a pop culture note. How about this? Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the uh, Green Bay Packers, is going to be one of the guest hosts of Jeopardy. Since Alex Trebek has passed away, uh, Ken Jennings, the all-time winner, has been doing it. Uh, and they're going to have a series of guest hosts over a couple of weeks, and they announced that uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be one of them. By the way, Aaron Rodgers actually won Jeopardy. He was on the Celebrity Jeopardy and crushed people. He was so good at it. So he is going to be one of the guest hosts. Um, uh, Katie Couric's going to do it as well. Uh, Maya uh, Bialik from, uh, uh, what the hell was that show? I, I can't even remember the name of the show now, but uh, uh, I can't remember it. Uh, anyway, uh, she is going to, a Big Bang Theory, thank you. <laughs> uh, and Bill Whitaker is going to do it as well. So they're going to have it. But uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be one of the guest hosts. That's kind of cool. Uh, it is 48 minutes past the hour. Got to take a quick break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 
It's 50 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on uh, Sports Country Radio. Uh, one other NFL note. Uh, word is is that the uh, Chargers have actually spoken to Urban Meyer about their head coach opening. Now, a lot of people have uh, thought that it looked like he was a no-brainer to take the job with the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, but he has uh, kind of been holding them off, and now uh, the Chargers uh, have talked to him. So if Urban Meyer uh, really is interested in coaching in the NFL, it looks like he's going to have a couple of options. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't know, uh, I don't know what kind of an NFL coach, um, he would be, you know, now word is, is that he is a workaholic, so he is certainly not afraid to put in the hours, but it, it was also one of those things where there was a case where it was jeopardizing his health while he was in college football. So I wonder if he's really, uh, serious about it. You know what I mean? Uh, so we'll have to see as far as that goes. But I know it, and word is too that the Jacksonville Jaguars are getting uh, frustrated with his indecision. So you wonder if Jacksonville, because they're going to want to get somebody in sooner than later, and you you wonder if they're going to, uh, you know what, just move on. So uh, we shall uh, we shall see what happens as far as that goes. Now, as I mentioned, the NFL or the NFL, the NHL season opened last night, and the Tampa Bay Lightning picked up right where they left off. I watched this whole game and it was um it was impressive. Uh there's no there's no other way to put it. Um Steve Stamkos who missed almost all of the playoffs last year for Tampa had surgery um in March and he had surgery again in October on his core. Uh was back yesterday, and he looked really good. He had a goal, a couple of assists. Uh, they end up beating the Chicago Blackhawks 5-1. to one. Andre Vasilevsky, 23 saves. Had a shutout, I think, till about – I think it was about three minutes left in the game before Chicago finally got one in. Uh, but, I mean, it was 3 uh, nothing at the end of one. And uh, this was a very impressive game for Tampa. Hey, look, and one of the things last night in the – in the broadcast, John Forslund, who did the play-by-play last night, kept talking about, oh, it's a short season, it's a short season. Okay, it is, but it's not, you know, it, they've they've lopped off about 20 games, but it's not as short as, like, for instance, it was in baseball last year where, you know, baseball played essentially uh, 40%, not even 40%, they played about, yeah, maybe 40% of the games that they would normally play, at least in, in the NHL this year. You know, they're, they're losing a few games, but it's not as radical. But they're making it sound like, Jesus, you lose two games in a row and you're not going to make the playoffs. I thought that was a little a little overblown in that game last night. And by the way, when they were uh, – they had this uh, pre-taped uh, piece before the game started and they had Doc Emmerich's voice on it. And I realized as the, se- as the game was starting how much I'm going to miss Doc Emmerich. It just didn't seem right not hearing him. And I have nothing – look, John Forslund – uh, I love John Forslund. John and I did minor league hockey games together in Springfield, Massachusetts, back when the uh, Springfield Falcons were playing there, and uh, he did the play-by-play, and I was his color guy. So I've known John for a long time, love him. Uh, I think Steve Levy does a nice job as well. Uh, Kenny Albert does a nice job as well, but they're not Doc Emmerich. Not at all. Uh, so I'm going to miss him. Uh, another game last night, the Flyers came out with a strong third period, and they end up beating the Pittsburgh Penguins 6-3. Uh, Sidney Crosby had another goal for uh, the Penguins against the Flyers. He owns them. He scored 44 times uh, against them 
and uh, he had a beauty last night. But a unbelievable third period. I think the Flyers scored three goals in like six minutes. And it was over. They end up winning the game uh, six to three. Those two teams are actually going to play again uh, tomorrow night uh, in back-to-back games. That's the other thing that's going to be weird this year. They're only you're only playing within your own division to limit travel, so it's an, a very condensed travel schedule. So you're going to see the same teams time after time after time. It's going to be uh, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. Um, the Boston Bruins announced that they are going to retire the number. Of Willie O'Ree. Now, if you don't know who Willie O'Ree is, uh, you could be forgiven. He, he only played um, 45 games in the NHL. But he did it for the Bruins. He was the first black player to play in the NHL. He did that in 1958. Um, and he also played for the Bruins again in the 1960-61 season. And then never made it back to the NHL. Uh, he got traded to Montreal after the 1961 season. Um, he had some eye injury, an eye injury in junior hockey, so he never made it back to the NHL. Now he played 15 more seasons in the minors, finally retiring in 1979 uh, after playing with the San Diego Hawks. But he was the first black player ever in the NHL, and his number 22 is now going to hang in the rafters of TD Garden. Well, I think that is very, very cool. So uh, uh, congratulations to uh, Willie O'Ree, and uh, he's 85 years old now. So uh, I think that's neat, and uh, uh, he was very humbled by it and and seemed tickled uh, that it was going to happen. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Dan Zampano will join us to preview all the NFL games coming up this weekend. Hope you can join us. We leave you this morning with some music from John Rich, shutting Detroit down. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.